Welcome to the first episode of the Dual Prism Podcast, where we bring solutions, not technology. And on this first episode, we're going to have the pleasure of interviewing our principal, Peter Toriola, who is the man when it comes to understanding IT environments and everything at play. And when I say everything, you'll come, you'll figure out here shortly what I'm talking about. He has a steep background in the world of not only acquisitions and carve out, but also in the cloud. So without further ado, let's talk to Peter Toriolo. Peter, how are you doing today? Great, thank you. How are you doing, Gabe? Welcome to the first episode, and we're happy that we're able to uh, grab a conference room overhead. We work in Chicago. We wanted to get a little idea of you and what it is that you bring to the table for companies, specifically when it comes to IT environments. You and I have spent a couple minutes talking about this new digital world that we all live in, but there are still plenty of companies that are living in the legacy data centers or in a network closet or whatever it is. So we'll get into that in here shortly. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? And let's start off with the simple question. You're clearly not from Texas or even from Chicago, as I can tell by your accent. Can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up? Uh, yeah, thanks, Gabe. Uh, yeah, I did not grow up in Texas. <laughs> I uh, grew up in Lagos, uh, Nigeria. Uh, it's... Um, perhaps the most populous uh, uh, state or city, rather, uh, in, in uh, uh, Africa. Um, it's approximately about 18 million people uh, living uh, in, in Lagos today, and uh, it's bustling with um, lots of uh, technology opportunities. Uh, however, that wasn't always the case, uh, particularly when I left in the early uh, to mid-90s. And so you left in the early to mid-90s coming here to the States? Yes. Did you land in Chicago, or where was the first place that you actually came to? Yes, I landed in Chicago, and it was a uh, long story uh, that I never left. I made Chicago home at, in spite of the, uh, the stark difference in the weather. But um, It's a little hotter in Lagos than it is in Chicago, is it not? Yeah, but it's a lot much, it's much, much colder in Chicago <laughs> than it is in Lagos, and I'll take the hot any day. Uh, but anyways, um, I, I uh, left... Um, Nigeria uh, in the mid-90s to avoid uh, persecution by the uh, rogue military um, dictatorship at the time. Uh, It's this madman named uh, General Sonny Abasha that was ruling the country, and um, I was um, uh, about to uh, complete my studies at the university uh, that I went to in Nigeria, uh, Bafumiyawu University in Ileife, when... Um, we started going up against the the uh, um, the military. Uh, we were considered agitators because we were bringing all of what's wrong with the country at the time to to people's consciousness. And you know, military guys don't like that. So anyhow, I left and uh, seek political asylum in the U.S. So I want to I want to repeat that for people who are listening in here that there are a lot of people here who take for granted the 
the strength of the of the immigrants who come to this country. And if you're literally escaping persecution because you're considered an agitator, then clearly we live in a country of opportunity because you decided to come Absolutely. to Chicago. Did you at least have a jacket when you came to Chicago? <laughs> what part of the year did you come in? I actually arrived, uh, uh, you know, at the beginning of the winter season. And, um, you know, I... The beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know what the hell you were getting into? <laughs> I, yeah, you know, yes and no. Yes and no. But uh, I, um, yeah, I, I managed uh, through it uh, with the help of the great um, uh, officers at the uh, immigration at the time. They're called Immigration Nationalization Services. Perfect. They were closer to the ICE uh, group. And, um, you know, just um, uh, listening to your story, um, as uh, I'm sure they did back when people came in through Ellis Island, sure. um, they, they were able to help and direct you on what to do. What a, what a great um, what a great comparison to Ellis Island. Like a couple years back, I went to New York and I actually went to Ellis Island. It was one of the few places that I want to do yeah. as far as touristy places because it's kind of you can at least I could feel the spirit of the people who crossed in there like that's the way it felt to me um and then just seeing Lady Liberty (laughs) it's not as big as you think it is absolutely um but it the fact that you know it's there that's it I I think we're losing a lot of perspective nowadays but I don't want to digress too much further so tell me what was one of the first things you did when you came here do you recall like you it was you obviously flew on a plane Mm -hmm. um unlike other immigrants but you came in, did, what was the first thing you ate? Do you recall one of your first memories as you got in here? Yeah, um, yeah I often joke that I, uh, I came off the boat uh, <laughs> right. in the 90s. The except it was a airboat, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, I remember coming in, um, you know, I was coming in, I was very laser focused. I was very, you know, it was all, there's a purpose behind coming here. Yeah. Uh, and that requires immediately interfacing with the U.S. government. Okay. Uh, at the immigration and naturalization level, so you didn't want to mess around. Exactly. Okay. So a lot of my uh, earlier memories um, was dealing with those uh, INS officers and, and going to immigration courts and arguing my case uh, for political asylum. Um, but you know, back in the nineties, uh, Nigerians weren't being considered for political asylum in the U.S. Okay. There just wasn't any reason for it. But um, the burden of uh, of uh, proof. Uh, was on the U.S. government side that my life wasn't indeed in danger okay. if I go back to Nigeria. Uh, so with the help of the U.S. Embassy in Lagos, they were able to get some uh, materials over to the immigration uh, court that truly proved that you know um, going back to Nigeria uh, was not going to be uh, in my best interest at the time. <laughs> so, uh, so a lot of my earlier memories... Um, uh, of uh, being in the U.S. revolves around dealing with it, going through the immigration motions, if you will. Yeah, uh, and that sounds like a slow-moving process because you're talking about two icebergs meeting somewhere in the middle of an ocean. You know? Absolutely. But yeah, it took a, a little. It took about three months. Three months. Yeah. Still, still not. That's a little bit shorter than I would have thought it would have yeah. taken. Okay. Um, so, you finished school at DePaul. Or yeah, were I, you somewhere else? No, I finished college in Nigeria, but I went to DePaul for my uh, grad uh, program. I, okay. I have a um, master's in uh, information systems from DePaul University here in Chicago. So you got your master's from information systems at DePaul University in the city. And why did you choose management information systems at the time? 
Well, you know, um, growing up uh, in Nigeria, um, about, you know, especially in the late 80s when I was coming out of high school, I was uh, fascinated by all things technology. And I remember taking a gap year, I think that's what the cool kids are calling it these days, uh, after high school before going to college. Uh, and what I did with that year uh, that I took off was taking a certification course in data processing where I data did, process. Data processing. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, yeah, yeah, in, a, in a sense. And uh, what uh, the course really entails is learning the basics of programming in uh, languages such as basic and COBOL, etc. You know, okay. Good old days. <laughs> okay. Uh, so your first step into anything IT related or technology related was in code. Yes. And so late 80s, if I heard you correctly. 1989, 88, 89. I left high school in 88, and this was around 89. So I want to point out um, that now this is well, this is over 20 years, going on 30 years ago at this point. And so you're dipping your toes into, and what I feel like a lot of kids can do nowadays is like they're they're doing the Minecraft of the world, and they're learning how to do all these things. You were doing it on your own. Yes. In a place like. Um, in like a place like Nigeria, yes. for example, uh, which we don't know. A lot of people, especially in my position, don't necessarily consider a technological hub. And then, so fast forward, you're now in the states. You're finishing up your MIS uh, at DePaul. Where did you go to from there? Did you start work at Accenture then, or was it another time? No, so I never really worked for any of the big four okay. uh, consultant firm. Uh, what I did was. Um, went um, straight into the corporate uh, side okay. um, of the of the house and um, started working for a software um, startup uh, here in the city uh, called Ripstone Systems. Um, we made back then digital, um, uh, um, uh, we made database essentially for, sure. that's used in the vertical legal market. It's a digital, it's a, a document management system, if you may. Um, and after that, I went um, uh, even to the other side, which is actually working within IT uh, organizations. And I had the, um, the opportunity to work in, you know, across uh, uh, a few sectors, um, uh, finance, insurance, healthcare, et cetera. Cool. All right. So walk us through where the, this sort of sounds like the genesis of your, your you starting dual prism. Where did you start getting the experience and say to yourself, like, you know, I can do this? Uh, yeah, so my key uh, driver um, in everything I do in life and uh, professionally has always been accountability. You know, holding myself and people around me accountable for the outcome of our decisions. And, uh, you know, working in corporate America within IT organizations, um, I, I learned very quickly why a lot of our projects, um, you know, that companies spend money on fails or don't, you know, even when they didn't necessarily fail, uh, oftentimes the benefit of uh, the investment isn't realized. And I think part of that is because um, we often um, focus too much on the accolade you know, side of the of the you know equation. In, in, as IT professionals, you know, we want to show our organizations that we support that we've done some really great things to move the needle. But after time, um, you know, you have to sit back and say, did we really 
help the business realize the benefits that they set out to do, or did we just settle? Uh, and when I saw that, I started bringing this um, mind, you know, shift, so to speak, to uh, teams, uh, various teams that I've worked on over the years, and um, it's also one of the things that led me to decide on starting uh, Dual Prism to, to continue to uh, uh, spread that gospel, if you may, and helping business focus, you know, but IT organizations as well as the businesses they support focus primarily on realizing the benefits of their, of every dollar they spend mm-hmm. on IT initiatives. So are you a ball buster? Uh, I wouldn't say that. I'm tough, but very, very fair. Okay. That's how I would describe myself. <laughs> Do you have any idea about, or can you put your finger on the pulse of the, did you grow up in any particular way that gave you this sort of um, centralized thought of accountability, or was there something else that helped formulate this? Yeah, I think uh, growing up in, in Nigeria, I'm going to segue a little bit here. Um, Please. Nigeria is about uh, 1.5, one and a half times the great state of uh, Texas. In terms so of size. In terms of size. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, there's the Sahara Desert at the top, so there's really not much for people to do there, uh, but has about 190 million people. That's greater than half the U.S. population yep. living in a place that's just slightly bigger than the state of Texas. Okay. Uh, as a result, uh, you know, the, what comes to mind is the Darwinian uh, evolutionary theory of survival of the fittest. Uh, you, you get very uh, good very quickly at, um, at getting things done if you were to be successful. It's a hell of a segue that you used to demonstrate (laughs) why you have this sort of centralized theme in in the way you work. So, dual prism, tell us a little bit about, uh, you started off in in saying like, hey, this is what our formulation was, but tell us a little bit about what you do at dual prism and why it is that you feel that we're successful at doing what you do. Yeah, so a lot of uh, what we've uh, focused on the first uh, few years uh, is... Uh, helping with um, implementation of cloud solutions, whether that's um, ERP systems or, or um, you know, uh, uh, Office 365 or, or CRMs and things like that. Cloud uh, systems, ERP, CRM, yeah. O365, which for those of you who are not in the know, that's Office 365. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for the clarification. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so we, we've done quite a few of that, uh, those type of work. And um, as a result, these organizations are asking, oh, you know, can you help me with you know, uh, migrating my colos, my data center out of this colo into a separate colo, or, you know, our strategies to go into the cloud, uh, whether it's taking advantage of platform as a service or infrastructure as a service. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we had that component, um, the cloud services component to the business, and uh, we do connectivity, whether that's uh, MPLS or, you know, in the one space or SD1 or fiber, we can help with brokering those deals as well. And uh, there's the managed services side of things where, um, you know, cybersecurity is big now. Uh, so that's that's what we've been doing for the better part of uh, three and a half to four years now. So I want to point something out, especially cybersecurity related, that uh, there's a lot of leaky cloud stories out there. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll get into it right now, though. I want to focus on you and then the starts of uh, Dual Prism. 
And I got one last question for you, uh, Peter. And I say this with as, as much sincerity as I can. Yeah. Why are there so many Nigerians who are successful either in athletics or business? Uh, you know, I think it boils down to uh, the survival of the fittest uh, yeah. um, analogy that I uh, uh, referenced right. earlier is when you leave, um, you know, when, when you have to jostle and, and compete for everything, uh, you naturally um, tend to either get better at it or not. And, and I think, um, you know, we, you said earlier, there's a lot of things we take for granted here in the U.S., you know, myself included, because I'm, I'm more, I'm just as, I'm as much American as the next guy. You're a Chicago Bear <laughs> He's a Chicago Bear fan. Yeah. I want to throw a little anecdote here. We are talking a couple weeks back now, and uh, somehow or another we got into the conversation of football. And I always know big football or team fans Whenever somebody will refer to the team as, well, we need to do mm -hmm. these things. We need to, we need a better guard. <laughs> our, our team. <laughs> yeah. We need a better offensive guard or whatever. And I'm like, wait a minute. First, first and foremost, I know you don't play for them, but what do you mean this we business? But that's how I know. And that that's also pretty cool that you've got this uh, guy with this heavy Chicago Nigerian accent who's a big Chicago Bear fan. But yeah, go Bears. Consider. I mean, yeah. excuse me. Uh, proceed. Yeah, so the, the, that type of resistance uh, does one thing. At a very uh, young age, uh, it builds resilience uh, yeah. uh, that translates into uh, what you alluded to in your uh, question, which, which is uh, why there are so many successful Nigerians, both in athletics or, or business. And I think, um, you know, what you learn at that very uh, young age is the importance of hard work. You know, you, you throw it a little bit of luck, uh, um, and you know, especially in my case, uh, if I hadn't left Nigeria at the time I did, I don't know what could have happened to me. So that's the luck. Uh, but what you what you realize very quickly is when you have that uh, background that uh, encourages you to really, really be hardworking, uh, you 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 there tends to be success um, that follows uh, as a result. So and regardless of the endeavor, whether it's sports or business, uh, I think. If you really focus and you hold yourself accountable uh, uh, to doing a really good job, then you will be successful. Awesome. So this concludes the first episode of the Dual Prism Podcast, where we bring you solutions, not technology. Please visit us on the right. online, www.dualprism.com. We're also on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash dual prism and i'll let you all look up dual how to spell it <laughs> thanks for joining us Pre appreciate the time peter anytime Gabriel. thank you for uh, for the uh, putting this together no problem we'll come at you with more episodes soon thank you